Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover You podcast, where every week, Jeff Glover and his coaches will dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you are facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate, with Jeff and his team closing over a thousand homes per year. In today's episode of Live Unreal, we're joined by a panel of top producing agents from around the country. During the Live Unreal Summit earlier this year, these agents sat down to talk about their successes. Now, let's hear from Jeff Glover. Our first panel of the summit, we've got three panels, we've got a couple interviews, a lot of good stuff to get to. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our first panel to the stage. Come on out, guys. I'm excited to dig into some of these topics. We had some great prep calls, and I know you guys have a lot of good stuff to share. I should probably throw out there, we hand select every single one of our panelists based on their character, based on their ability, based on their track record, uh, based on their current success, not just on their past success, and I think you'll find value in the information that they're about to share. So why don't we move from stage left to right? So we'll start with Laura, if you could uh, share with us um, where you're from, how long you've been in the business, maybe production, and uh, my my all-time favorite, your zodiac sign. I have to know. I've been dying to know your zodiac sign. Oh, my. I don't know if I even know that. So I'm Laura Gillette, and I am from Lebanon, Oregon, and we serve the Willamette Valley. Last year, we were pl- privileged enough to serve 551 families buying or selling property in our area. And, and there's only about 552 people in that area. So basically, uh, everybody bought or sold a house last year? Actually, our town is 16,600 people. Wow. We do were, the math on that. Yes. 16,600. Yeah, and our, we do service the surrounding towns around us, but we have about a 22% market share in Lebanon, and we were served almost 300 people in Lebanon. 22% market share. Now, that's, of course, not of 16,000. That's of the people who bought and sold, right? That's correct. So that, that number of 16,000 is probably based on your numbers, what, then 2,000 or 2,500 transactions a year in your market. Yeah, so, well, actually, in that, in that little market, there is 600 transactions, but two sides, so 1,200 transactions. Oh, right, so, there you go. Yeah, so, it, anyhow, it's it's a great, great community to sell real estate in. Awesome, and we're going to dig into your story in just a second, uh, but w- we need to know your Zodiac sign. We can't move on. Am I a Leo? Is that Zodiac? When's your birthday? In August 17th. August 17th, what is it? Leo. What is it, guys? Leo. Okay. Leo, you're a Leo. Okay, thanks. All right, let's hear it for Laura. Thank you for that. All right, we're going to get back to you, Laura. Next, we have Brad Kiger. Brad, take it away. Uh, I haven't even sold 500 homes in my career, so that's really impressive. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm Brad Kiger. Um, I, my real estate team is in Arlington, Virginia, uh, the Kiger Group there. Um, uh, I moved to North Carolina, where I'm from, um, and I was a team leader there with Keller Williams for a year. Uh, now I'm fully back into production. I'm starting a business in Winston-Salem, investment development um, and sales, and then also still running our team, which we service uh, around 100 clients uh, a year for around 50 million in volume. 50 million in volume, not bad. And your zodiac sign, sir? Uh, July. July. Well, well it depends. I'm July. July 12th. Is that a cancer? Cancer? I'm a cancer. That's a Yes. All right. Well, let's hear from Brad Kiger. Welcome, Brad. Okay. Next, JoLynn. Hi, I'm JoLynn Mercica. Uh, I work for Jeff. I've been working for Jeff for a very long time now. Uh, it's lovely to see all of you guys here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, been in the business, started in 2007, assisting, moved into full-time sales between 2009 and 2010. I average about 50 transactions a year on top of living a life and really enjoying it. So I am an Aries. An Aries. An Aries. Yeah. Fire yeah, and Aries. Fire and ice sign. All right. Well, it's here for Jolene Mercica. Nice job, Jolene. All right. Steve. 
Hi, uh, my name is Steve Montgomery. I'm here in Orlando, Florida. Welcome to my city. Yep. Um, uh, last year, uh, we closed right around just over 17 million as a team. I personally did 15 million of that 17 million, so uh, mostly me. You are the team. I am the team, yes. Um, and uh, I am a Leo. All right, Leo the Lion. All right, let's hear it for Steve from Orlando. He had traveled so far to get here. Ellie. Hi, I'm Ellie McIntyre from the Metro Baltimore area, servicing from Baltimore down to the DC line, not DC though. Uh, I've been in business for pretty much the same as you, Jeff, 19 years this year. Um, I'm known as Epic Home Group, and that's Epic with a K, and that actually is actually just me, a very, very part-time buyer's agent, and my amazing EA, who is literally on a listing appointment and uh, showing buyers right now. And uh, last year we did close to 30 million in sales. We were the number one team because there was two licenses in the metro, in the DC Baltimore area for GCI, number two team for units. And I'm the same star sign as you, which is Gemini. Gemini, there we go. Let's hear Rising, from our Gemini's and Ellie. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back to Laura. Well, first of all, thank you all for being here. We're going to come back to Laura. So I've been watching your business, and I've been kind of studying what you've been doing through the years, and we've known each other maybe not, you know, too too close for the last probably six or seven years at least. And one thing that, that has always impressed me about your business is when I talk about creating a customer experience that people can feel, um, You've done it. So, and we had in the VIP, somebody asked the question, can you give us some examples of what that means? So, perfect timing. Could you sh uh, share with us, in your opinion, when you hear us talk about creating an experience that clients can feel, what comes to your mind? Oh, so I've been doing this since 1992, and I realized at the very beginning how important the database was, mm -hmm. and that that every past client goes into that database, and that we never want them to forget us. So it wasn't in for the short term, it was more the long term. So I wanted to make certain, because I am from a small community, that they, we were their resource. We were their resource when they needed a plumber, their resource when they are thinking about refinancing, um, their resource when they want their pie, <laughs> <laughs> two times a year, um, that we can invite them to barbecues and we can just make them part of the family. And that's what we call them. We call them our forever clients. And we really mean that we want to take care of them forever. It's yep. just not a one and done. Yep. And so when you say we want to take care of them forever, what does take care of them forever mean? Yeah, it's just, again, I want to be their resource. I want to be the, the real estate resource for our community. I want to build a variety of great data. I want to be able to help protect them. I want the the team, and now it's not all through me because now the, the team does this, and and it's real important that we find those people that have the giving hearts, and you can't train that part of it. So it's, I mean, we get trained about anybody to sell real estate. I mean, that part is is you know nuts and bolts, but the giving heart and being able to go the extra mile, and you know somebody needs something. You know, we have agents crawling through doggy doors to unlock the the door. I mean, they, they'll just go. They'll do whatever it needs to take to make to make it work yep. and and that's hard to train so that's important for me that our community feels that love from our team yeah how do you identify um, someone that has that trait then right so if I'm if I'm in the room and I'm, I'm responsible for for the hiring on our team uh, how would I find someone that is is does have that kind of servants heart or that giving you know character if you will yeah so we do have a director of operations she does a great job and she's out in the community and giving and and serving on different boards mm -hmm. and and being a leader in the community and she's able to find those other folks that enjoy doing that and we realize that that makes a good match with our team um, we also know a lot of the the hires on our team come in from friends friends of ours friends of our clients friends that we've watched their kids grow up mm -hmm. and we know they're good solid people yeah so basically uh, uh, it's possible that in a, a transaction that buyer or that seller you're looking for someone that could potentially be part of the organization yeah definitely yeah and do you send out certain correspondence like when you think about what you send to your database let's just say I know there's a lot that you do and we're gonna get into it in a second uh, but do you actually send to buyers and sellers like hey who's looking for a career in real estate how do you kind of bridge that because yeah. on one hand you're losing a client <laughs> right because they're probably gonna now do their own deal 
Um, but on the other hand, you're probably gaining hundreds of clients because they're with you. Yeah, and so, you know, because we're a small town, and maybe this is just a limiting belief we've had, but we really don't put a lot of marketing out to join our team, just because then sometimes we get people that want to join our team, and they don't have the servant's heart that we're looking for, and when we turn them away, sometimes it's hard because they then, we kind of lose that relationship. Yeah, yeah. So that part is tough. So um, we do more hand selecting and word of mouth, and, and we ask for referrals. So we'll ask our database for referrals, and we have a couple events that we do that we talk about what you know, what positions we have available in our team. We haven't been able to do that with COVID this last year, but it, most of the time the team members can help us find the next team member. Yep. So on, on the, thank you for that, on, on the thought of adding value to our database so that way they're not distracted by technology, right? We talked this morning about how these concerns, these disruptions are driving a wedge between us and our clients. So what do you do in your business and with your agent or, or just in general, to add value to that group so that way they don't go use a new technology or the shiny object or click on a Facebook ad? How do you stay in front of them so they're constantly feeling like they almost owe it to you to make sure they come back? Yeah, so we try to reach out to them with at least one item of value or something fun that we're doing in the community, you know, at least once a month. Um, we used to do it twice a month when, before COVID. And, and one, once a month, minimum. Yes. Everyone in your database, which by the way, how many are in your database? Not counting like Zillow leads or internet leads, just past clients. For yeah. So our VIP group, which would okay. be uh, our, our forever clients and um, our raving fans is about 2,500. 2,500. Yeah. Yeah. So those 2,500 people are hearing from you over the phone, but now mm -hmm. it's probably a voicemail if they don't answer. So yeah, yeah, tell us what that looks like. Yeah. So we do run a newsletter that we, we send out once a month. Mm -hmm. And so that that's, they follow that to be able to know what we have coming in store. We also use that as a kind of a community, um, letting them know what's involved. And then in reality, we need to call our database more, but we really only call them twice a year. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then we have them call us like the reverse bold. Yep. So, so they call in. When they, when, when you say they hear from you once monthly, that means they're getting something from you yes. once monthly. It's not necessarily over the phone. Once. That's correct. Got it. So when are they hearing from you over the phone? That's twice annually. Yes. So we do uh, pumpkin pie and we do the 4th of July apple pie, which if you think about that, it's about six months in between. Yep. And so we're able to have a voice to voice with our clients during that time and they reserve their pie. And then of course we ask if they can whip us up a referral, we throw in a can of whipped cream yep. and that gets us about 50 referrals Love from it. the pies. And we gave away about a thousand pies um, is about what we're at right yep. now. But I'll let you know on the reverse bolds, we're getting 50 referrals on the reverse bolds and it's um, a lot more affordable than pie. Yeah. So a couple things and I want you to tell us what, what we're reverse bold is, um, I was in rooms like this for years and listening to people on stage talk about their pie giveaways and their events and I was always like, I'll just go find another client. I don't want to be around these guys. I'm not even remember half of them. You know, this is, this is not, I'll just go prospect or put up a billboard or buy a Zillow lead or something. And it wasn't until four or five years ago when our business was booming in terms of volume units and GCI, uh, but it was losing half a million dollars a year, two years in a row that I finally said, you know what? maybe I ought to consider that other side of the business, right? So that way I'm not having to pound the phones every single day and replace clients because I'm not taking care of the database. And so, you know, for those of you that maybe are, are on that side of, well, I've never really put any thought or energy into taking care of my database. I was there too. It's okay. And it took, you know, basically between two years, a million dollars in losses to say, there's got to be another way to do this. And that's when I finally said, you know what, we're going to add value to our database and we're going to go down down that path. Now, we didn't get rid of the other stuff, right? We still prospect. We still do some advertising. We just dialed some of the advertising back so that way we could put it into our database. So when I, when I, when you mentioned the reverse bold to your database, tell us what that means. So we, our goal is to do once a month a giveaway and the giveaway is normally around $500. And we um, say like this, this month we're going to do it on um, St. Patrick's Day and they're going to call into the office. Um, when they call in that certain entry to win um, the, the gifts and there's different gifts different times and then when they 
call in, we ask them if they happen to know anybody who's thinking about buying or selling real estate or if they want to refer themselves. And um, from that, you know, we're getting around 300, maybe 350 calls, um, depending on what type of event we're doing. And, you know, anywhere from 25 to 50 referrals. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's, again, it's just getting in front of them, having them be able to call. It's a fun conversation. They're calling us. We're asking. Um, they know we ask now. So What is the script? Can we role play that a second? Uh, yeah, but I'm not the one that does most of the calls. <laughs> that's okay. So just, that's all right. So just give me an idea then of what the purpose of the call is. So if, if I'm a, if I'm a client, why are you reaching out to me for this? Yeah. So when, so anyhow, they call in, yep. which is a great thing. And then we just say, thank you for, for entering in to win. Um, we also will add, we'll stop there for a second. Yes. So you send them something that yes. prompts them to call in. Yes. What do you send? So we send, um, an email and we put it on social media that on the 17th, we're going to have, um, a, a call in day from nine to four with a live drawing at five and they can call in and win. And you guys can call in and win too. So just call in. They have to hear call it. in. Yeah. They have to call in in order to be entered in. And when you say you guys, meaning you do this for agent referrals too? Oh yeah. yeah. You guys can call right in. I'll get you the phone number. <laughs> awesome. So they have to call in. So you basically, Hey, if you want to enter into this, you got to yes. call us. Yes. And so talk about a way to get your phone to ring, especially if the value is 500 bucks. I mean, I could see that if you already have a relationship, no matter how great the relationship is, even if it's, you know, you just met them a couple weeks ago, or if they just closed, you know, or if they closed five years ago, you have some level of relationship. So they're likely to call in based on that value, right? Yeah. And if you're not picking up the phone to take an entry in, then you're on your texting, you're texting your clients saying, Hey, call in today. It's enter to win day, you know, call in and win. Yes. And so they call in and, you know, obviously you thank them for calling in and what is the purpose? What are you, you said 25 referrals, let's say every time yes. you do this or whatever that number is, how do you get them to give you a referral? Yeah. So a couple things. First, we, we update the database to so make certain that we have their, make certain they're getting our newsletter yep. and that we have everything great there. And then we ask them. So, oh, good. Thanks for calling. Just yep. want to confirm a couple things before we explain what we're doing. Your phone number is still this, your email is still this. Got yes. Yep. Yes. And then we add the little part that we can enter you in a second time. If you happen to know someone that's thinking about buying or selling real estate, including yourself and. So it's one entry for calling in, and it's two entries if they happen to refer you. Yes, yes. Although we don't put that in the advertising, we Got just it. say that when they're on, just yes, when they're on the phone. Yep. And then, um, and then if they don't have anybody, uh, one of the agents came up with this. If you can think of anybody before four o'clock, call back in with their name and number, uh -huh. and we'll give you a second entry. Oh, I love that. And so that was great that she added that part to it. So. I know you said the item of value was around five hundred dollars. What was what was your last one, or what was one so, of the popular ones? Yeah. So last time we gave uh, $250 worth of cash and a couple of baskets. Uh -huh. It was Valentine's Day, so it was like a cash day. We've done anything from um, the dumbbells <laughs> to exercise stuff uh -huh. to uh, dinners out. Um, and so what we've realized that it was just a lot easier for us to give cash in a, in a gift basket it. than it was to run around and get gift certificates. And so when the COVID hit, we tried to do it for to help the businesses that were struggling. So we did restaurant gift certificates and we did beauty and, and massages and that sort of thing, gift certificates. Yeah. Um, but now we're just giving cash and they can decide what they yeah. want to do with it. And that happens once a month. Once a month. Now, of course, if I'm in the room, I'm thinking, all right, five, six hundred bucks a month to do this, plus the email blast, plus if they're in a Facebook group that I created or whatever, you know, there's a little bit of energy behind it, plus the money. Um, but it makes it worth it because of what the referrals, 20, 25, or whatever it comes to per month. Now, I'm sure they don't all close. I'm sure they're soft leads. But the reality is they're at least connected to somebody you know, which means you have a higher level of report instantly because there's a connection there, right? Yeah. And it's also adding to our database. Mm -hmm. And when they send us a referral, then they, we call them a raving fan. Yep. We give them some brownies and are able to add them to our raving fan uh, network. Yeah. So you have really done a good job and put a lot of effort into making sure no technology, n nobody's going to get in between the relationship with you and your clients, right? Yeah, it still happens. Yeah, it does. It and does. So you yes. you can you know what I'm talking about when oh, I'm saying yeah, that 10% rule is not the same anymore. Yeah. Because they're going to call and say, oh, I know you've been giveaways and dinners and all this, but, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's they're happening more now than it ever has. And that's why we're saying, that's why you have to keep putting people in. It should be part of your daily process every day. Who can I add to my database today? Just one person a day. 
250 working days a year, right? In four years, that's 1,000 people added, right? So you're growing it and still adding value to it. Even if the percentage goes down because of technology or whatever, you're still gonna, your net gain from it is going to increase. Yeah, our clients are getting hammered by other agents and technology and everyone else contacting them. So if you don't think that your clients are not getting bombarded, they are. Yeah. And we need to be in front of that and be, be there. When they think of real estate, you want them just to think of you and to say, sorry, I already have an agent and just go directly to you. Yep. Um, you know, for years now, we've been building the moat to protect our clients, but it's, they're, they're still getting in. Sure. Awesome. One thing you said on our call, and then we're going to move down the line here. Um, what's this referral dinner all about? Yeah. So when our clients give us a referral, then we set them right up right away with a, a thanks a latte card and an invite to a dinner. And it's just like an invite you can get them on Vistaprint, and you could, it's like you're going to a wedding or something with a little referral card in there. Mm -hmm. And we're able to send that out and set up the dinner. Now with COVID, we've had to pivot that a little bit, mm -hmm. and now we're just giving brownies. But we'll start back up here and have an outside barbecue this probably July sure. for that and get that going again. But what we found with that, those folks that each quarter we'd have a, a dinner, a catered dinner for our people that are referring us that last quarter, we find out that we see the same people over and over each quarter. It's not like a bazillion people referring us. It's a few, a handful of people yep. that are referring you at a high level. Yep. And what we found with that is that, like they would give us two referrals in one uh, quarter and they'd go, well, does this count for this dinner and the next? Like they kind of got, they got the whole concept of what was going on. And then the other thing that was great about the referral dinner was, is that when someone seen photos of the referral dinner and said, hey, I sent you a referral last month, did you not get it? And, or what happened with oh, that yeah. referral? I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, who did you refer? And they'd go like Bob Smith, and I'd go, okay, um, I'll definitely get you to the next referral dinner. But you know, when I talked to Bob Smith, when I asked him who referred him, he said uh, several people, he did not give me a name. So next time, if you could call me first and let me know who you're referring, then I'll definitely make certain you get on the referral dinner. And they're like, yeah, that sounds great, I'll do that. Um, also. So they can also call and not get me and get somebody else, sure. like another another Keller Williams agent, which is all great. It's all, they can go <laughs> everyone. But, you know, sometimes they just don't always get you. Yep. So just helps cement that. I love that. You're, you're training them to refer you. And now they're expecting, all right, where's this dinner at? When are we going to get back to dinners again, right? Yes. Love that. Awesome. Let's shift gears a little bit. Brad, um, you moved to a new market. And a lot of folks that are in the room, and quite frankly, in most audiences, um, are always looking looking for ways to break into a market, no matter what level of production, the, the conversation, how do I take more market share? How do I break in? So um, talk to us about that experience of you moving to a new market. Give us that little background of what took place there. Um, yeah, so um, I, I'm from Winston-Salem, which is the market I live in now. Uh, seven years ago, I moved to DC. I taught there for two years. Um, and then, As a you were a teacher. Yes, a special ed teacher in DCPS. Um, and so, yeah, thanks. Um, so uh, I, I got licensed to sell three homes a year. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I joined a team. I went into Keller Williams. I went through Bold. I went through Ignite. I did the whole thing, and I fell in love with it, you know. And so um, took off, went out on my own. Um, built over three years. I built the team up. We did 100. Our third year, we did 119 units for about 55 million. Mm -hmm. um, and then my wife and I thought, um, you know, it would be really fun is if we just picked up our whole life again, and we just moved it right back to where we ran away from, you know. <laughs> and so we did that, right? So, uh, so then I started. I actually was a team leader for Keller. You had a, you had, you've basically started. You've been through two whole careers in the time that people are still in one. Yeah. <laughs> you've had yeah, to move and go, start over, move and start over twice. Yeah. So. Um, so we actually moved to Greensboro about three months before the pandemic started, and I took the team leader role at Keller Williams. I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to get this salary, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to get this GCI over here. I'm just going to have the best of all these worlds together, you know, and then... What'd you learn? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, God bless our team leaders, folks. Uh, they are uh, they are some, some fantastic people. Um, so I did that. I learned a lot about leadership. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, like, what I wanted in my business, in my life. Um, we had our second child. He's eight weeks old. So, yeah, it's awesome. Um, so I left that back in November. 
And my brother got licensed and he's like, hey man, I'm gonna quit my job. We're gonna sell real estate in Winston. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, dude, I don't wanna sell these houses. These houses are like $150,000 and that's just not, I'm in the you know DC market, you know, it yeah. doesn't make sense. So well, I'm in Detroit, so 150 yeah. is like a luxury. It's like a luxury house, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I'm like, I'm gonna focus my time on training, consulting, basically doing the team leader role for my people in DC, but for my people. Mm -hmm. um, and then he got licensed, and I said, well, you know, I, we can build a database here because we're from here, you know? Um, and I was like, and I kind of know like how to market, and so we just started, so we, uh, you want me to go through the? Yeah, let's okay. So <clears throat> I'm a big like data and list guy. I started out prospecting and then moved that into, so I have 20% market share of a 1,500 unit farm, okay? <laughs> so, you know, gotta start somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, hopefully that'll be 17,000 people one day. Um, so I started out by pulling some lists. So I looked at absentee owners. I also wanted to start investing and buying real estate in Winston because it's so much cheaper. Um, so I took an investor class. I started pulling lists on absentee owners, high equity list. I went back and pulled all the old expires from the last 10 years. I had a VA scrub them all back to scrub out who'd been. Last how many years? 10. 10 years of and Yeah, yeah. So if they've expired from 2009 on. Wow. We, we, went, we have agents tell us all the time, you know, they don't want to call an expired from a week or two ago. You're, you're calling expired from 10 years ago. Yeah. Why yeah. would I call an expired from seven, eight, nine years ago? I mean, they had it on the market at some point. A lot of people back then, they maybe didn't get their number, so they rented it. And they're amateur renters and amateur, la or amateur landlords um, who didn't really intend to be landlords, but then they kind of got stuck. And then now the property values backwards where they would want it to be, you know, 2007, eight. Yeah. Um, and with COVID, a lot of them are, are tired landlords, you know, with people, even even people, you know, people not paying. People weren't paying rent? Yeah, yeah, people yeah. not paying rent and then just, you know. Here's they thought, well, you don't have to pay your mortgage, so I don't have to pay your rent. Well, yeah. no, you have to still pay your mortgage. Yeah. You still have to yeah. pay your rent. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, and I target it really central to the zip code that we live in, mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't want to drive, you know, more than 10, 15 minutes to do business. Mm -hmm. um, so we just targeted it there. I basically set up about four or five little mini ponds of absentees, expireds, and then we're doing the new expireds and FISBOs. I have a system that my brother runs for those. Um, and then I started doing marketing to a farm based on, I didn't really go through the, the typical, um, you know, what, the, running the numbers the way that you typically would. Um, again, because I'm gonna live there for the next 20, 30 years, so I'm gonna sell my neighbor's home. So I just kind of started from the neighborhood I live in and I'm just kind of uh, ink blotting, if you will, out yeah. from there. So take us from the top again. So expires and for sale by owners. Mm -hmm. Old expireds, yep. absentee owners. Yep. What was the group you said high high, high equity? Fifty percent plus equity. And how did you determine that they had fifty percent plus equity? Um, there's a, a different services that you can go through. Um, the Prop Stream is the one that I use. Prop Stream. Prop, yeah, P R O P Stream. Yep. Um, Hundred bucks a month, and you can pull all kinds of data. You know, through there. It's you, at least taking notes over there. No, you, <laughs> you can. Yeah. Yeah. You can geek out on that stuff. So, um, so that was the that was the the central prop. Process and then I said, okay, well, I'm gonna. Um, so hold on, back up a second. Before you get into that, were you personally making the expired and for sale by owner calls? I mean, because I, I feel this like time what, I've, what I've recognized from you and your business is, is you are a grinder. I mean, you are yeah. not afraid to pick up the phone and call people. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I, I have so much follow up to do now with the, you know, because I still lead gen. I do that, but I do it in my DC business mostly. Got it. And then I have agents there, or I do. I mean, I did over 30 listings myself. Um, via Zoom last year. Yep. Um, and that and that was from outbound prospecting calls. Yeah, yeah, or, or referrals, you know, through that. But yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of outbound prospecting too. Yep. And so, what does that outbound prospecting look like? If I'm an agent in the room saying, "Hey, I, you know, I, I've never been a prospector. It's not really who I am. It's not really my thing." Like, what what would you say to someone that has that mentality? You better have a good database. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously. Like, you know, um, if you, it, it's not for everyone. I can I can totally agree with that. And if it's an, lever that you want to add to your business. Like I talk to agents all the time that ask me who makes those calls for you. And I say Verizon and Mojo, right? Cause I got a cell phone and I got Mojo and I log in and I make the calls. And, and they'll ask me, you know, who, who, what companies do you use? What, you know, 
it's uh, how do you outsource Providers, it? Yep. And, and I'm a firm believer, I think you said it earlier, if you're gonna have your agents do it and you're gonna expect that of them or your ISAs or you're hiring someone to do that, then you need to have that experience so that they can, I'm never gonna ask anyone in my organization to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. Bingo. Uh, By the way, one of the greatest mistakes of real estate teams today, uh, they're trying to convince their agents to do things that they've never done. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the reality is, is that you can do all the song and dance and all the rah-rah and all the motivation. Uh, they're going to sniff that one out pretty quickly after a while. Yeah, I mean, I was doing a training with my team on for sale by owners a month ago, and it just wasn't clicking. So I picked the phone up. I called one. I set an $900,000 appointment. Let on me show spot. you. That's right. You know, and they're like, and, and you know, I can kind of be like, well, you know. <laughs> hey, I still got it. But it, did, it got didn't it. work out very, you know, if it had gone the other way, you know, but it worked out, you know, and, and I told, and I did make a couple of calls where people shut me down quick, you know, it wasn't the first one. Yep. Um, but, but that's just the way it goes. Yep. So um, going back to your, your back in your hometown or you're back in a new market, I'm sorry. Yep. Um, what was different about when you went to DC versus what you're doing now? What, what did you, what did you change or what was different to kind of, cause you had to break into the new market yeah. too, right? Yeah. So, so DC was a hundred percent grind. I mean, it was, I did four open houses every weekend. I did, um, you know, I called every morning from eight to 12. And then if I didn't have a, my, my goal every morning was to set three appointments and to go on two in the afternoon. Yep. And it could be somebody that I met circle prospecting that said, we're not looking to sell for two years. I would go meet with that person, yep. you know, just to get in front of them, to talk to them, to go through the, you know, and then ask them questions about, you know, why, why two years from now, you know, what's, you know, do you know any of your neighbors that are looking to sell? Um, so my whole goal, you know, that first couple of years was just get as much face-to-face -face time with potential buyers and sellers as possible. Build those relationships quick. Yep. Um, and that's what I, that's what I did. And then in the new market, it's, um, you know, because I don't have the 60, 70, 80 hours a week to put into it. It's more like 10 to 20. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more like marketing and leveraging systems and tools. So when you say marketing, uh, give us an example of marketing. Postcards. It's like, it's so ridiculous that postcards work as well as they do. I can't, I honestly, uh, we, we do it in our, our main farm, right? Mm -hmm. And it's one of the touches that we use um, along with like we do the, we do like we used to do the summer barbecue, you know, all that good stuff, right? Um, but really it's the, the people get it, they, it's something tangible in the hand, they see it, they put it, yeah. but all of our marketing has called By the it. way, you know, there's, there's new data coming out that a lot of large corporations are reducing some of their social media spends to go back into direct mail. Yeah. Right, so it's almost like it. as a society, we were always conditioned that it's junk mail, it's junk mail, it's junk mail, and then we're fed all this junk mail on social media. Where now it's kind of like oh, I kind of look go, look forward to going to that mailbox every once a day now, you know. So I'll, I'll give you an example. So the absentees and the um, uh, the old expireds, I, I mailed three letters to them. Um, and I, it was a list of roughly around 2,500, so it ended up being 7,500 letters that I mailed out. Yep. Um, I got about, I've, I've signed at least six pieces of business and another dozen in the pipeline just yep. from that series of marketing. Yep. And then I've done, I've identified uh, basically every door direct mail routes of 7,000 units. Yep. And I just started mailing them once a month and I'm on my third postcard going out. And I've got, I mean, I just went and signed a listing this past weekend. Um, I've got, and the nice thing too is this is a $200,000 market and I'm getting, uh, I went on a $950,000 listing appointment, a $1.2 million listing appointment. Even the higher end is responding. They're responding more so and they're responding to my Renovate Now Pay a Closing program. Got it. Which, which you wouldn't think that, and I learned this in DC, but um, so that's a big part of my business is I do renovate now, pay at closing, and I also do an I, I have my own iBuyer program. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are my call to actions as I'm going through the, the process. And uh, the renovate- That'll get the phone to ring, that's for sure. For sure, yeah. And then um, the renovate now, pay at closing people are mainly people that are looking for the convenience of it, not the fronting of the money of it. Mm -hmm. 
another, you get both, but yeah. the biggest thing, the, I would say the majority of what I get is the people that are like, oh, you'll, you'll hire the contractor, you'll coordinate them, yep. you'll put the, you know, you'll do that whole process for me. I don't have to go find a painter, a cabinet guy, a granite guy, et cetera. Awesome. Um, so it's worked out well. Thank you for that, Brad. Yeah. All right, let's shift gears. Jolynn. Hi. So, um, you know, one thing that I've admired about your business, and obviously I've had the pleasure of working with you every day <laughs> for the last every day. 10 plus years now. Every day. Um, is you have mastered um, really three things, specifically uh, customer service relating to the buyer transaction at a very high level and also balance, which you don't find. One thing that I think is really cool, you don't find too many agents that are doing 40, 50, 60 transactions a year with the kind of balance that you have in your life. And the majority, and A, A, and B, your business is mostly buyer business, right? Like 85% buyer business. So that is even more reason why there would be no balance because of all the offers and showings and everything else that takes place. Well, right now, yes. Yes, that's right. So tell us, you know, it, when, when, when we talk about balancing a high volume of buyer business, what comes to mind? How, do you, how are you able to manage it all? Honestly, it begins with setting expectations. Um, it's got to be, you know, right out on the table how you handle your business, when you're available, when you're not available, the affiliates that you have working with you, your wonderful showing agents that are going to be there to get your clients where they need to be at any point in time. Um, and that also helps me to have the freedom to get up and go do what I want to be doing. So I would say the balance really, it, it came from in the beginning before we had showing agents from me literally setting those expectations. So Sunday is my day off. You can email me, you can text me. I will not be at an appointment. Of course, that took a while to get to that point. But when you set the expectation up front, the, the clients don't want to impede on you. They have a respect for you. So you give them a certain level of respect, and in turn, they should be giving that back. Yep. And if they're not, then they're not someone that you should be working with. Yep. So we fire, I have to fire a lot of buyers because, well, we know some are crazy. Some have no idea what they're looking for. Some can't get on the same page with their spouse. Some are just motivated, and then they're, <laughs> then they're not for some reason. Yep. So remaining engaged with them, being up front and transparent with them that has helped to provide all of so that setting expectations and you do that during the buyer consultation oh, absolutely yes and you're you're pretty you know one thing that also I have to brag on you for a bit because through the years you know we've had a lot of agents that have come and gone and we've had a lot of agents that have been with us for 10 years uh, one thing I've always that always stands out in my mind is why do I always see JoLynn having all the buyer consultations? Where are all our other agents having buyer consultations? And don't get me wrong, they all have buyer consultations too, but it just seems like you are very consistent with the buyer consultation. So how do you get them to agree to it? So a majority of my business is really referral-based, and that gives you a different level of rapport with someone from the moment they pick up the phone to call you. Mm -hmm. So what has been helpful and how I started my career and why I am so buyer-heavy is getting into this industry at 21 years old. You know, I think I sold my first $40,000 house when the market was in the dumps and, and that was 3,000 square feet colonial yeah. <laughs> welcome to Detroit uh, so we <laughs> I've been able to you know I started on the buy side with all my lovely friends they've now all grown they've had families they need to do things you know so I've had the repeat business you know back and forth from them and when you begin to discuss you know do you know what's going on in the market if it's a good buyer, they're going to be like, honestly, I really don't. I hear this or I hear that, and they want to sit down with you. Mm -hmm. So I always say, look, we can make this a much more efficient and smooth process if you take the time to sit down, understand what's happening, understand what you're going to have to go through to get a home, understand how basic negotiating works, understand you know, how our process is going to look, mm -hmm. how showings are going to look, what you can expect from me uh, at my buyer consultations. I love to bring in um, whether any affiliates that I'm going to have within the transaction. So if we're going to be working with a showing agent, they should be there. They need to meet the buyer. The buyer doesn't need to feel slighted, like, oh, why am I all of a sudden not working with you? I got your number because I was referred to you. And we're able to offset those, those issues by sitting down as a team. Same with my lender. You know, he's my right-hand guy, and I couldn't do what I do without him for the sheer fact that he said 
sets the expectations to my clients as to this is how it's going to go. This is what you can expect. This is where you're comfortable. So when you build that team mentality and you tell them that that is what you're trying to do, that is what you plan to do when we sit down, mm -hmm. they take a totally different look at the entire process, in my experience at least. It becomes much more of a serious process versus, oh, hey, I was clicking around on Zillow and I kind of like this house and I want to go take a look at it. Yeah. You know how serious your clients are if they're willing to put in the time to sit down and make sure they are best suited to go on the journey. Yep. A couple of things that you said that I want to ask you a, follow a couple follow-up questions on. The showing agent model. Not every agent in here is on a team or at a brokerage that has a showing agent model. Maybe not everybody even knows what the showing agent model is. Um, number one, in, in, in our world uh, and most real estate businesses, when an agent uses a showing agent model, that reduces your net commission on that check, does it not? Sure. So then why are you giving money away to someone else on that deal? Because now I can do five more. Now I can do more. So yes. you're so delegating in order to be able to produce more, to handle more clients, to be in more places than you can at one time, yeah. you know. Now you have showing agents out that even though you're making less per transaction, they're out showing homes for you and coming back to you when that buyer's ready to write an offer. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, I'm very picky with whom goes over to a showing agent. I love my business. I love working with my clients. And I do, you know, that's part of my value proposition. So it's a lot of times when I get people that I don't necessarily know that well, Zillow leads, anything of that sort that come in the door where we can set up this team type of model and get them right out and looking. And if they're not coming to me because of me, then they don't care who they're working with. They want to find a house and that's go. what we're going to do. So how do you sell the client on working with a showing agent without feeling like they've been handed off to an assistant? Because I feel like for anyone that would be considering exploring the model, that would be their number one concern. For sure. It's not me. They can't do it as good as me. The buyer's going to feel like I just passed them over to an assistant or I'm too busy for them. So how do you overcome that? So that has to happen within your buyer consultation and that's why it's so important that you are sitting down with your clients to explain this because what you do is you build your showing agent up on a pedestal mm -hmm. just on the same exact level as you and you don't use the word assistant and you don't use any words that are going to make them look like they are not on that same level as you yep. and that's also helpful to have them there to meet at a buyer consultation because then again there's no question at hand yeah. it's someone that they're familiar with it's someone that they they have met and they know so they're comfortable going out with them uh, we also explain why they are so good at what they do you know my strengths are negotiating contracts and getting you you know to the closing table yep. whereas my showing agent their job is to walk in the house and know exactly what looks troublesome and be able to point these things out to you so that we're not just getting deals accepted to back out after inspections so they've got the knowledge on the home side the same knowledge that I do and are 10 times better at it because this is what they're doing every day. Yeah. So it's all in the way that you present it to a client. Yep, love that. One of the things that if you're friends with Joe Lynn on Facebook, it seems like in 2000, maybe not so much in 2020, but 2019, 2018, 2017, it seemed like every other day you were going out of town or traveling up to your investment or your vacation home or going to different weddings, right? Is that, would you say that, that the showing agent model for you has been critical in being able to have that level of balance? 100%. And even just being here, you know, my clients, this is not a market where you can get up and leave for four days and be like, hey, see you when you get home. Uh, they need, if something's popping up right now, we got to go. So having that freedom, it's, it's incredible yeah. and it's so valuable. And the one issue that most people have is the giving away of the commission. Yep. But you've got to think bigger and you've got to realize if I don't do this, if I don't take this step, can I service this client? If the answer is no, is this a closed transaction? The answer is no. Yep. Would you rather have it or would you not? Awesome. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, but we're not going to get to it, and I'm going to skip it because you're doing a breakout later this afternoon. Yes. And that is your buying power checklist and how you present it to buyers to get buyers to buy into the concepts of here's what you need to do to get your offer accepted. There's not many people that I know in the industry that are getting a higher percentage of offers accepted than you are. And if anyone is struggling that, which we all are, they should come see you this afternoon because you're doing a breakout in the Olympic room on getting more buyer offers accepted. Yes. So we'll talk about that then. Perfect. All right. Let's move down the line. Steve. Hi. 
thanks for being here. Thank you. So if you, would, if you wouldn't mind, Steve, tell us a little bit about your business. I know you, your number one source of business, this surprised me when we spoke, only because I, I live in a market where nobody wants to live, so it's almost impossible that it can be my number one source of business. <laughs> First source of business is agent-to-agent -agent referrals. That's correct. How did it get to that? Um, well, like you said, everyone wants to live in Orlando and next to Mickey Mouse, so that helps. Um, it, it does help to have a, uh, a very uh, transient marketplace like we do. Um, I noticed uh, probably a couple years ago there was um, a lot of these Facebook groups um, that everyone likes to tag themselves into, mm -hmm. um, and it gets a little crazy sometimes. Yes, the popularity so, contest groups. The popularity contest groups, yes. Um, what I noticed is that ultimately that was a large horse of business specifically here in Orlando because there was a lot of referrals going here. And uh, to be honest, I said, well, why not me? Yeah. You know, not as well. Why not me? And uh, what I started looking into was how can I get into that and how can I actually make myself um, the, the agent here in Orlando, or at least one of the agents yep. that people refer to. Yeah. And um, last year, um, we received 50 referrals, and we closed 21 of them um, because you know, agent re agent referrals can be a little sketchy sometimes. And by the way, they're still also interviewing. Don't ever think for a second you get an agent-to-agent -agent referral that it's yours. It's in the back. No, a good agent is sending that referral to three different agents in that market. Well, Jeff, why would you recommend that? Well, because you're increasing your chances of, of getting the referral fee, right? Because they're going to be interviewing agents anyways. Hey, here's my top two or three in this, in this city, in this town. Now you're increasing your referral fee business. Continue. Sorry. That's fine. Um, so this year, this year already, we've already received over 20 referrals. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's now becoming exponentially larger and larger for us. So what are you doing to get in front of those agent-to-agent -agent referrals? What, did, what are you doing that's different than most agents? So one of the things that we're doing is uh, basically we have just created a system of creating relationships with other agents across the nation. Mm -hmm. You know, by going to events like this, like when there was KW uh, events, things like this, that's what we did. And we have basically created a database within all these referral groups. And now we're treating, um, instead of like a neighborhood as a farm, we're treating agents like a farm. Mm -hmm. And that's how we basically market ourselves. Yep. So basically we're going out and we're, we farm to all of the agents that are in our database consistently. We send them birthday cards. We send them anniversary cards. We send them um, thank you cards on a monthly basis. And we constantly market to the agents who refer us business and the people that we want to be in business with. Yeah. Uh, we send them Christmas gifts and things like that. So you, you have a client database, a past client sphere influence database and you have an agent database Correct. both of those databases get good value ads right it's not just hey here's our agent database and we send them an email every now and then you're actually treating them just as if they were a client yes because they are clients yeah and uh, the other thing we do is when we do receive referrals my TC and I also work together to make sure that they are constantly giving updates given updates on the transaction, which a lot of people don't get updates until they just get a referral check. Yeah. So they see this, they see that they're giving, they know what's going on. So a lot of people really see that we are actually taking good care of their referrals, and then they are constantly um, giving updates. And the, the other thing, too, is we try to then uh, also refer back as much as possible. Mm -hmm. and those people then feel valued, and then it just becomes this network relationship back and forth, and yep. then now it's created this um, machine yep. that we've got going. Awesome. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is you started working with us about how long ago? Probably about two years ago. And you've gone through a process of basically you use the term imploding, I'll use the term breaking down. Your, your team broke, you had a breakdown, yep. which by the way, that's healthy, that's okay. You learn a lot during breakdowns and you have breakthroughs from them, right? You can't break through without a breakdown. So can you talk to us a little bit about that experience? Sure. And what took place? Yeah, so basically last year during, um, when COVID um, kind of hit, uh, I had a team of about six people, uh, most, you know, myself and other agents, and all of the other agents on my team left. Yep. Um, it mostly happened around April of last year. We had 10 transactions pending on April 1st for the month of April, and all 10 canceled. 
Um, and then a lot of people left the business, went on their own, went yeah. and found a get-rich-quick scheme, maybe went and got a better commission split at another broker or whatever, right? Correct. And then uh, we had, of those other agents, all of them left by the end of May. Wow. And um, so I personally lost a lot of GCI and then also lost the you know, agents on my team. So I went from a large team to a single agent mm -hmm. in two months. With and what happened? Very few transactions. So basically, I had to just relearn how to be a single agent. It was kind of like kind of learning a new muscle memory again. Um, so I worked with uh, Matt uh, Sutter, who's my coach, and we just kind of redeveloped the systems again and, and how we're doing it. Um, and because I didn't have a team splits or anything like that, I, I was a single agent again. My profitability skyrocketed, and I was able to hit my personal GCI goal that was originally my team's GCI goal. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how year. that works out? Yeah, nice job. That's good stuff. Love that. Uh, and so now you have documented, you're starting to document, I know Matt is probably tough on you, on putting together your value proposition for you to, to stay in your lane and focus on production. But at the same time, if you want to grow later, you're, set, you're setting it up right now. Correct. I mean, you know, we definitely have already started reestablishing how to build a team correctly and how to hit our own. Do it right. Do things correctly. Um, but I mean, after what I learned last year, I mean, I, I think what I kind of learned was um, what I, when I, like, it's kind of like a, what I learned from last year when I went to the grocery store um, and you used to forget something. And I always hate having to go to the grocery store and like forget that one item again. Um, it's kind of like what I did learn from that is like, you can never out lead gen yourself. Um, so you know, maybe I got in the mindset you know, last year where I think, oh, I, I, I can't do this much more. I've got enough in the pipeline. I'm going to be okay. Everything's good. Yeah. You never really know when something is about to like wipe out everything from you. Yep. So you can really just keep going and going and going. And so I think now our team is learning. You know, I personally have learned that you can just keep going and um you know i say that like in the grocery store like if you need the extra bottle of ketchup get the extra bottle of ketchup you know like you know like <clears throat> you you never know what you're actually going to need moving forward and i think that's what last year taught me yep. is that you need you probably need that next level of lead generation you probably need this next level thing because the that's what, what it's I've learned. Yep. Or next level accountability, whatever. Next level accountability, yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right, let's shift gears. Ellie, talk to us about, um, specifically, I want to hear about your, your, your nonprofit and your presence in your community, because you do a lot of great things in your community. We've been talking all year about how to add value to your community. We've been seeing agents around, around North America do that. How are you adding value to your community, and how is that helping your business? <laughs> um, I live in a small town, and uh, we have about 45% of market share in our small town. Mm -hmm. A small town is 40,000 people mm -hmm. outside Baltimore. And personally, I prefer to walk to my listing than drive an hour and a half. I know you do it, but it, that doesn't oh, rock. An hour and a half is like halfway there. I'll drive. Yeah, three exactly. Hours. <laughs> so um, it's it's not the, it's not a short game. It's a very much a long game. Um, in and, and there's definitely there's win. Has, everything has to be a win-win-win, and. Um, in, I can't remember now, when my son was in fourth grade, whoever's good at math, he's in ninth grade now, he was in a program after school, and it was after a mega camp where Gary Keller had said, um, make a million, um, make a million, save a million, give a million, strategically, and it was the strategically that was very important to me. And uh, he also had somebody on stage, and I forget who it was, and he said, well, go and start your own, your own non-profit. And it resonated with me that that was something that I wanted to do because I, I live a very frugal life. Um, I spent, when I first came to the States, and I, I'm not from here, by the way, just in case. Oh, I, I thought you'd been working on that accent. My Baltimore accent, I'm working on it, not. Um, so when I first came to the States, I literally would work for six months and travel for six months. And everything I owned, I carried on my back. And I had the best life ever, and ever until I realized that now it was time to be become more 
or to start adulting, basically, and a lot later in life than most. Um, but I, I still have that backpacker mentality of, okay, well, ramen noodles are only two bucks, right? So I live very frugally. So. Um, I was looking for an opportunity to give back to my community. So my son was doing this program, and it was an after-school program, and it taught children how to be philanthropic, to give back, and to appreciate the, the, the endorphins that go off when you do something nice for somebody else. And I'm very fortunate. I have a very servant-hearted child already. So when the program was coming to an end, the teacher, who's actually one of my neighbors now, had said that the, the next year, the next school year was going to be second and third graders, and all these fourth and fifth graders were devastated because they enjoyed it so much. And just by watching, I could realize that the teacher was actually putting a lot of her own money into this. Um, so, kind of an aside, I don't play very well with others, so the PTA didn't really want anything to do with me. So I approached the teacher, I'm sorry, very transparent. So the teacher, I approached and I said, how can we make this a win-win? Drew wants to do Kids in Action next year. Um, we, we have a great um, a business. We'd love to be able to support this. And from that came Epic Kids in Action which kind of works well. And it's actually been very strategic as well. Um, it's an after-school program. A lot of limiting beliefs came from, well, you know, I don't have a child. Well, I only have one child who's now in ninth grade, and we're in seven schools in our metro Baltimore area. It's um, it's very very simple. We some I think um, Steve, you said that I didn't have I don't have the time to run a nonprofit. Well, I just put the money in and the teachers spend it, and they're also very frugal too. So we have an opportunity to stay in front of our community with this, and it's been such a win-win. The logo that we created looks very much like our own logo. And so we have every year 250 plus kids that wear our logo around town um, and love wearing it. Uh, it's very affordable to run because like I said, the teachers are easy. Some of the activities, uh, we pay by giving them money. We pay for you know meals for the homeless. Um, we do. Um, they go to, to nursing homes. Uh, we do meals for the the shelters. Um, there's a whole bunch of other things that they do too. We have a website. It's epickidsinaction.com, and that's with a K. So Epic Kids has been running for almost six years now. Um, the strategic part of that was that obviously every parent wants to make sure that you have all their contact information. So we took control of that. So when a kid signs up, then the parent obviously has to give us all of their contact information and their real contact information because they want to make sure where their child is. So. All the major parts of, uh, um, we would put together, we had a Google document that, um, a Google form that we use a lot. So since we've been running the program, we've added over 1,200 people to our database. And of course, they all live in the area where we live too. So it was definitely um, a way to stay in touch. And we've been very intentional about including all of these parents and we know a lot of them too so we'll thank them to have their child join the program we um we do special things for them we do special things for the children we were doing ice cream socials where the kids get to wear their shirts and they come down so we've just been very visible in our community with epic kids in action i was going to ask the question how do you get the word out about it I, I, by the way, I, I love the work that you're doing. I've been paying attention to it, and obviously, we've known each other for for a few years now. How do you get? How do people in the community l learn about it? Is it just database? How do they learn about? It? Well, the. the when they go to school, they then that's an option for an after-school program that they have. Got it. So it's uh, something you've worked out with the PTA, with the school. No, 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 not PTA. They don't like me. If you remember that part. Got it. They really don't. <laughs> uh, no, it's so we have our servant-hearted teachers that want to be part of the program, and then we have parents that also want to participate. And this isn't a program that every every kid's <laughs> going to be able to do. Some of the things we did were mugs of love, and they decorated these really cool mugs, and they stuffed them. And there's some 
children that want to take them home and they don't quite understand that, no, these aren't for you. Mm -hmm. There's a huge factor of kids and we, um, we started hashtag generous generation kind of, sorry millennials, but like selfish millennials, generous generation is the next one kind of coming up. Um, so the generous generation is all about giving back. And an anecdote is at Christmas time, and it's so easy and cheap to run, we gave every child a, a gallon bag and a quart bag, and we gave them lists of things to put in to make blessing bags. And it's things like the hand warmers, um, a granola bar, a bottle of water, um, a pair of socks in the in the gallon bag and we gave them all a quart and a gallon bag and we said fill this up aka you pay for the supplies and find somebody in your community that might you know appreciate this and living outside Baltimore that's not hard to find you can certainly just drive into Baltimore and give that away after Christmas they came back and a huge portion of the children that have nothing to do with each other all said, we gave away one and it felt so good, so we filled up 10 more. And that was the purpose of that. And it, and it, it, it just perpetuates itself. Yeah. So the kids just are constantly, and they participate in this too. They get to participate in who do they want to help? Do they want to do the dog shelter? Do they want to go to the nursing home? Do they want to tie scarfs at the library in minus not quite Michigan weather, but you know, 32 degrees and on the scarfs it said, I'm not lost, this is for you if you need, um, if you need something to keep you warm. And the way that they write notes is amazing. We kind of give them um, suggestions, but they're the ones that write things like, I hope this brings you sunshine today. I hope you're happy. Um, when we send candy to the soldiers after uh, Halloween, we encourage them to bring it in and we send them off in big packages across the ocean to you know, Afghanistan and um, uh, Iraq. And the kids are just so sweet that the, the recipients, the people that are um, deployed, have more joy. You can see it. They, they have more joy in the notes than they do the actual candy. So there's a lot of pluses to it. One of the things that, that I love about what you're doing is it checks the box of providing good organic content also to your database. Because now when you do all these things, you can show your entire database all the good you're doing. And people want to do business with people who are doing good in their communities. And so it's, it's kind of a built-in factor, right? It's like a byproduct that comes with it. it it's database and it's also community. Yeah. So the flip side of that is, is that oh, I talk about it's not, you're not in it for the short game, you have to be in it for the long game. So I've, um, I have a community Facebook page, and I say it, enunciate it, because it's not a group. I know a lot of people talk about a Facebook group, and it's about a community in a group, et cetera, et cetera. I run a Facebook page that is a public page about our community. And um, that's, that's a three-hour conversation. But I, it's, I'm very, uh, it, it's a 5%, 95%. 95% is about the community. 95% is talking about what's the now, whether there's a traffic um, accident on I-95 near 195, um, whether it's the fact that uh, a business is getting ready to open, or it's a meme or something, or I take crazy pictures while I'm walking my dogs and things. And then 5% is about real estate. But there's also, any time we do anything with Epic Kids in Action, then we also put that there too. Mm -hmm. So we align ourselves with this nonprofit, and we're in a very family-oriented community. So a lot of children, obviously most of the children that go into the elementary schools have the possibility to participate in this. And then we go offline as well. I um, volunteer. My son, while he was in middle school, got his service hours in there too. And we try to volunteer to all the schools, but we're very, very, very visible in our community through these different mediums mm -hmm. that basically all have the same funnel, which is keeping our faces and what we are doing in front of the community. Yep. I can see that. Question. Uh, you've been doing this for a lot of years. You're a great producer. Um, 
you keep coming back. I think you are a three-time champion of our listing mastery. Why do you keep, I mean. OG. Yeah, what, what is it? Why are you so passionate about being amazing with listing property or taking market share on listing property? Because you keep coming to that program over and over. Yeah, I, I don't know where I heard it. It probably was from you. I don't want to be the employee. I want to be the employer. Mm -hmm. And um, you're, I, I, it's, so I'm, I'm in listing mastery right now. We didn't have the class today. Tracy Hall's in the audience too. So she's out here as well. And I think Sean was behind me. Um, so you, yes, it's the third time I take it. And it's not because I'm not smart enough to collect it the first time, um, which is possibly, I have ADD. The fact that I'm not walking backwards and forwards, and that's why I never put my camera on, and this is like killing me right now. So if you ever see me, I'm usually walking. But um, the first time, there was so much content that I had to take it again. And when you offered it again, um, I told my friends about it. I told Tracy and I told Sandy and I told Rebecca. And it was like, well, if they're taking, then I need to take it again too, because I have FOMO, horrible FOMO, and I didn't want to miss out on that. Yeah. So, but it really does make a difference. It, it's a combination with um, the Facebook page that we run that the skill set that you've given me, and my, in the hybrid farming, we haven't got to that yet in the class. Yeah. I've been doing that for a over a year, and it's a combination of, um, I don't know, do you want to explain what hybrid, I don't want to hijack we'll your cover hybrid. cover it later, yeah, we're running okay. a little tight on time. So but yeah. hybrid farming is, is that we're rather than just calling people, we're actually, and through COVID, we still drop off something every single month to a five, just a small area, five streets, and every single month has a little item of value in there. Um, through COVID, I just paid my kid to run around. I had to watch him, because you know what kids are, they'll throw him in some way. But we actually put something in, and we also, pre-COVID, we were doing this as well, and I, <laughs> I made myself the, um, the local uh, party organizer, mm -hmm. and then I made it so everybody was invited. So I kind of come over as I'm the party organizer, but I'm also a real estate agent. Yeah. And so the hybrid farming is, has just been very amazing with getting more and more listings. But I tell you what, why don't we, we will talk about it in the breakout. So if you don't mind, will you join me in a breakout and we can dig deeper into that? Sure. Okay, cool. Let's hear it for our panel. Thank you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking your time to join Jeff today on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast. To get started on having an unreal business, take the real estate self-assessment. After you complete the assessment, a member of Glover U will get on a call with you to create an action plan to improve your score. Go to www.gloveru.com self. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Search for Live Unreal with Glover U on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify and subscribe today. Until next time.